welcome back to part two of Black Band T-shirt. We're still back on. We're back on our Björk bullshit. Um, <laughs> ranking her albums from worst to best. Um, so we've done the nineties plus Vespertine. Part two is going to be the new millennium onwards. Um, so let's before we go back into it, do a little reminder of uh, how we've ranked our record. So I had uh, Volta in last place, as did you. Yeah. I had Utopia in eighth. You had uh, Biophilia. Uh, yep. Yeah. <clears throat> um, I had Biophilia in seventh. You had Post. Yeah. Uh, number six, I had Debut. Yeah, I had Utopia. Yeah. Uh, number five, I had Medulla. And I had Debut. Medulla is going to be our next record. Big yeah. talking points there. Uh, number four, I had Vornicura. And I had Medulla. Number three, we both had Vespertine in we the did. end. Yep. Yep. Number two, I had Post and you had Vornicura. That's it. And number one, we had the wonderful, the marvellous, the magnificent Homogenic. Do you think she meant that as an ironic title because it's anything but Homogenic? Um, well, no. Apparently, um, I was reading about this today. So originally the working title was Homogenous. Um mm. and it was because it was for the first time it was the first album that she wanted to have a an overall riding overriding sound that encapsulated the whole album. Gotcha. So the whole album was built around kind of uh it said that the idea was to build the whole album around big beats and have the beats first mm. and then build the songs around them. Um <laughs> and for it to just be massive. Uh and so it it's quite I think it's quite funny that she called it that because she wanted it to be homogenous and homogenic uh, and, and but it really isn't because she can't help herself yeah. <laughs> um, also building everything around Big Beats uh, reminds me of um, Super Hands and Jez's Big Beat Manifesto <laughs> was it Big Beats first get high all the time or something <laughs> I think it's also what um people who specialise in making awnings for vegetable growing contests have to do. They have to build everything, build everything around big beats. Fucking hell, Chris. <laughs> right. Okay. Um, <laughs> Medulla is up next. Um, so this is perhaps the most interesting album so of Björk's entire career. This was the f- first of the albums that I've listened to that, that I hadn't listened to before doing this. And how did it strike you? So after first listen, yeah. um, I thought that it would end up either being right at the bottom or right at the top of my list, and I wasn't sure which. Yep, it's that sort of record, absolutely. Yeah. And it's ended up around the middle for both yeah. of us because um, this this signals the start of an interesting phase in uh, Björk's career where conceptually the effort is massive mm. but maybe some, not so much payoff. It, it definitely, yeah, definitely the, it's a real... I suppose why it's in the middle for me, like like I said earlier on in in part one, it's I I'm a sucker for a strong concept and someone who sticks to that concept, uh, but it does mean that the music itself could possibly be sacrificed as a result mm. of that. 
Um, yeah. And what, like I'll mention this straight away, I think, because it's kind of relevant to this conversation is that my my kind of low point, again, was a conceptual one, like you were saying before, of, is, is purely the fact that actually she goes, like you said, puts so much effort into the concept and goes so far with it. But there are, I think, two tracks where she breaks the concept. Yeah. And, and I found that frustrating because I was like, oh, you're going <laughs> to go so far with it. Why break it for the sake of two tracks? Um, so that was the only, yeah. But, yeah. But, but it's, in terms of the concepts and her albums with concepts, it's, it's my favourite in terms of yeah. that, I think. Yeah. So should it should actually explain what that concept is. Yes. Um this is an album mostly based around voice. I wouldn't necessarily call it an a cappella album because mm. it's not really, but medulla um translated into English from Icelandic means throat. No, marrow. It was Latin, Latin for marrow and then it's some play on an Icelandic word that means something similar, I think. Yeah. Was, yeah. yeah. So the idea is, is getting to the core of the human voice, like the marrow in our bones. And um, yeah, a lot of guest performances on this record. Uh, we got um, uh, a um, an Icelandic, an, sorry, an Inuit throat singer called Targa. Yep. Um, we've got your old mate Mike Patton, and um, his beatbox. And his uh, beatboxing pal from the, his Peeping Tom project, uh, Razel, who's mm. formerly in The Roots. Uh, we've also got a British beatboxer in there called Shlomo, um, who's excellent as well. Um, there's also uh, a guy called Robert Wyatt, who was in a band called Tin Machine. Big I, part I of the, love um, Robert Wyatt. Yeah, he's, he's got solo stuff as well, like very folky. Yeah. Yeah, a uh, big part of uh, the seventy, but the part of seventies prog in yeah. Britain called the Canterbury scene. Uh, there's also, I think, two different choirs, if I remember right, from what I was reading up on it. So there's an Icelandic mm-hmm. choir, and uh, I can't remember where the other one. It might be a, a, somewhere in, in England, but I can't remember. Right, and and you got Matt Moss coming back, and um, the Icelandic back, uh, band Moom, M U M who've uh, toured with Siggy Rose. I've seen them before. Right, okay. So, but talking of guest vocalists, um, just want to do a wor- my worst part first. Mm-hmm. Um, we discovered in our research for this that um, Beyonce, Knowles Carter, was asked to be on this record, but couldn't due to touring commitments, yeah. which, again, uh, would oh. have been fucking incredible. Björk and Beyonce on the same track. Imagine that. It's, I mean, you can't. No. That's the thing. I, I literally can't imagine what that would sound like, which makes me want yeah, it yeah. all the more. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Uh, where should we go first? Um, best parts of this record? Uh, yeah, okay. I mean, for, for me, it's the considering it is an album about voice. Um, there's two occasions on the album, two different sing- songs, uh, Olbiatan and Oceania, where mm. everything cuts out for this like strained, guttural, held note that Björk does, um, <laughs> which is ju- it's just, it's like shivers. It's a proper, yeah. like, just, you can tell it's just come from within and it goes straight to you. Like, uh, mm. I absolutely love that. Um, just, I just think, yeah, it's, I, I I love Björk's voice, which I never realised before we did this. Hmm. 
really. I didn't realise how much I loved her voice, and so this, that, I think that's what made this album special. Yeah. Uh, yeah, um, you mentioning Oceania, uh, Oceania there um, links into one of my best parts. Um, did you catch... Um, it's on YouTube... Um, so she performed Oceania um, at the opening ceremony of the Athens Olympics. Yeah, so no, I don't remember this. I read about this as well. I don't remember it. I'd, I'll have to go and catch, yeah. catch up with it. It's it's a really good performance and it's a really stunning opening ceremony performance because she's wearing this dress which is unfurled by um, helpers to be like mm. a, a map of the ocean. It's uh, across the stadium. It's really, really cool. Um, I got for my best part... Uh, this is one of the tracks that actually involves electronics, but I think the two beatboxers, uh, Shlomo and Razel, are amazing on Who Is It? Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah. Which yeah. I think is the, it was like the main single from it, wasn't it? Um, I can't actually remember. I think... I think, I think, it, I, I think it's something else that I'm going to mention later. Okay. Because, yeah, that's, that's, that's the song from the album that I'd say is, is the one that has got a kind of catchy element to it yeah yeah um i've got three best songs but um should we do worst song first yeah again yeah best song i kept changing my mind with this one i'm still not entirely sure yeah that that my best one is my best one but at the moment it is mm. um worst was fairly easy for me uh because it's just basically four minutes of um demonic sex noises <laughs> uh in ancestors Oh right, okay. Um I can't remember why I didn't like this one, but it's mid for Kudags. Can't even I mean hang on, let me I've not I've not got my notes open. Let's get my notes open and remind myself of what that one is. Because this Ancestor- was the album I made the most notes on. I think I had two full pages on this. Ancestors I don't think it's not sex noises, it's the throat singer. It's it's a, yeah it is, but it give it another listen. That, there's about that, three that, there's about three different voices going on um and there's definite like patterns i'd say what what mike patterns <laughs> no he's not on ours yet i don't think <laughs> uh, although, although there is a voice that sounds like it could be because I, I i find it interesting that it, it describes the wikipedia page describes his input as being providing a demonic voice <laughs> uh, on certain tracks uh, I can't get my uh, my notes aren't loading. That's a shame. Uh, that's fine. Shall we just um, yeah go through our best songs? Yeah. Um, your bronze or silver? Um, I, I honestly don't know. Like <laughs> the, mm. the whole, I, I loved the whole thing. Uh, I, I mean, mm. with with that slight bit of ancestors. Um, one of my my first kind of the one that stood out as a favourite was the. It's the first track that has, um, I think it's an Icelandic title, but I don't think it's the one that you mentioned. Right. Unless it is, which would be quite funny. Right. Um, okay. Because I can't remember that many examples before this album where she doesn't sing in English. And I don't right. Know, I don't know if it is Icelandic. I've kind of assumed that. Um, uh, the, f- the first song on the record with, a, uh, with an Icelandic title is Fokuro. That's the one. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> so that was an early favourite, just because I think it's very, it's very simple, and it, again, it kind of showcases her voice in a really nice way, and she's singing and doing yeah. it in a way that she hasn't done previously. Um, oh, here we go. I've got my notes up now. Uh, so, 
Uh, um, Sonnets slash whatever it is was another highlight for me. Yeah, that's a that's an E. Cummings poem. Ah, nice. Okay. Mm. Uh, Submarine as well. The Robert Wyatt one. All right. I thought was really really Mm -hmm. nice. Uh, So. Yeah, I yeah I didn't really have much to say about your least favourite. I've just said mm. sounds a bit like it could be Olbertan Part Two. Right. Um, okay. Yeah. Triumph of um, the Heart. I'd say Triumph of the Heart and Where Is the Line. Both, for me, get a bit silly. Okay. Um, like the. I get it, and I get th- with the concept, and I they enjoy they I enjoy them, but there are parts of them that I kind of think you're straying into kind of novelty a little bit. Okay, so my joint silver is Mouth's Cradle and Triumph of a Heart, and oh. my best song on the record is Where Is the Line? Where Is the Line with the one with Mike Patton on it that sounds like it's basically an a cappella Faith No More song. <laughs> yeah, figures. Maybe that's why. <laughs> I thought I thought I thought like the bit the, the, the singles from this record were Where is the Line or Triumph of a Heart? Triumph I of the Heart those, definitely was. I think they're the they're the best known songs from this. Yeah, I think Tri- Triumph of the Heart definitely was. I still think I think who is it was. Um Yeah, in my initial notes for Where is the Line I wrote I think it's here actually. <laughs> Uh, with the repeating line of where is the line with you um, mm-hmm. yeah I just, I've, I just feel like, I like out, out of everything they, they're the ones that slightly stray into kind of silliness but, mm. but I still, I still um, enjoy them a lot another thing we should mention because we mentioned it in our pre-podcast chat the cover's very striking isn't it yeah again I love I love, <laughs> but I love what she did with that in in the fact that it's because it's meant to be all about voice and organic kind of human stuff. So she, she got the designer to do something in line with that. So she's got the hair mask, mm-hmm. mask made of hair. And, the, and I didn't realise that the, like the necklace she's wearing with... with Spurs the, out Medilla. ...is meant to be made out of bones. I didn't, re- I didn't get that right, until, right. until I knew uh, that. Okay. Um, so yeah, I thought that was really cool. Uh, yeah. And yeah, yeah. Oh, go on, sorry. That corset is quite something. <laughs> I thought you might have something to say about that one. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah I went with uh, Desired Constellation with my favourite in the end. Okay. Um, which kind cool. of contradicts what I said about the concept not being pure, because that's one of the ones with electronics on. Uh, but mm-hmm. it's quite subtle. But uh, yeah, again, I would have preferred that one probably if they hadn't done that and had done something vocally instead with it, just to keep the concept. But uh, I think it's a really nice song. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, which brings us on to the album we both ranked last mm. uh, in our list, which is Volta. Um, yes, you said your ranking changed all the time and this may not necessarily have been last. I alluded to this always being dead last to me okay. because I think, unfortunately, as much as I love her entire output, this is a fucking slog of a record. It. So it does for me get, and this is my my low light of it. It it gets, it trails off in the middle. For me, I think I think it trails off by the opening. Um, <laughs> so 
so yeah, you, you're starting with the, the lead-off single, Earth Intruders, which was uh, produced with, like a lot of this record, mm. uh, Timberland, mm. who was the um, biggest producer in the world yeah. back then. Um, it's a move that's interesting on her part to to branch herself out into the world of R&B and hip-hop. She's always had her finger on the pulse when it comes to... Uh, trends in music which is something I'll go into later on yeah. this record um, but um, it kind of reminds me a bit of latter day Madonna's sort of how do you do fellow kids yeah, moves that, that is what I got from it which is it was an attempt I mean what I think what I liked about it on first listen through was that coming after Madonna it's fun right in a, in a like it's got energy and it it's kind of a lot more accessible um but earth but earth intruders and 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 is so busy and yeah. making so many noises at once that it just doesn't work i did and i see i quite like, like all, that like, song i do quite like, like that all song. of the like all of the opening three it just goes on far too long with those yeah. fucking ship horns at the end yeah just yeah. bizarre yeah um i, I think I mean, I, did, I didn't realise, I hadn't clicked when I first pressed play on the album. I hadn't looked at the title. And the first thing I wrote down before the lyrics even came, like, properly came in and everything was, it sounds like an alien invasion. Um, <laughs> so they clearly got something right with that. And I think, I think the, uh, that's an overall, like, sound theme, I'd say, throughout the album is that kind of militaristic, uh, there's quite a militaristic theme to it all, mm. to the music. Yeah, um, yeah. So before I go too negative on this record, maybe this is a good time to bring up my favourite track, which is uh, "Declare Independence." See, originally was my worst, uh, right, and has gradually climbed its way back up. It's not quite my favourite, but it, I've got it as my highlight moment, purely yeah. because again, it's kind of an echo back to her punk roots, and yeah, could be a crash song essentially. Like, yeah, and um, I like. I like that it's got a banging donk on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> boom, boom, boom. Um, and um, also the fact that I believe she is still banned from playing in China really? after playing a gig, a free gig in Tibet and saying Tibet declare independence. Phenomenal. Fair fucking play, Björk. Oh, man. <laughs> Could I love this woman anymore? Okay. <laughs> Um, she's done that in all sorts of places, but yeah, it's, I believe, still banned in China. Um, okay, best part. Um, oh, no, let's, let's do your best song, sorry. Okay. Um, I've ended up going with, uh, and I thought I'd changed my mind on this, actually, but I must have gone back to it. Uh, I've gone with Dull Flame of Desire. Wow. Um, because I, uh, mostly because I absolutely love Anoni and yeah. uh, to hear their voices together yeah. is lovely. I think they do it better later on, which we'll come to. Um, yes. But, but I, do, I do think it's of an album, like you say, an album of fairly long, meandering songs. This is one that I didn't get bored of during it. So I found this far. Uh, this is um, Dull Flame of a Desire is um, my worst part because oh, well, okay. specific, specifically because it's too long and meandering. <laughs> okay. um, yeah, I, I am in love with um, uh, Anoni's voice. I think she 
is absolutely wonderful mm. um and yes it um it, uh, it is done better uh, their duet is done better later on on um, my juvenile um but um i think um i've got a very niche reference for the for for a reason why i might dislike it ollie connor's niche reference mm-hmm. what the fuck um right okay step bear with me here so um are you familiar with the band m83 don't think so, no. Okay, they're most famous for their song Midnight City, which is the theme to Made in Chelsea. Uh, okay, no, don't know, but yeah. Where, 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 that one. Yeah. Um, but um, on the album before the Made in Chelsea song was on, um, they had this song called Don't Save Us From The Flames, um, which is a banging song, but has the same drum sound as the Dull Flame of Desire has, uh, okay. and it's used to much better effect in that song okay. so your second bit of homework in addition to the paper chase <laughs> is don't say don't save us from the flames by m83 um yes so yeah don't flame over desire it's my worst part because it's quite a boring song musically and too fucking long like all the opening three yeah fair i take those but points. it's still my favorite I, but i get it but ironically i've got for my best part um uh, as we, as I pointed to, um, Björk, Björk often has her finger on the par, uh, on the pulse when it comes to trends in electronic music. And did Björk accidentally invent dubstep or Wanderlust? Uh, it's a, see, it's got, this is the other one that I thought was a very Nine Inch Nails, Year Zero era sounding. Okay, um, I think I think it's got. It doesn't have the the um, the sort of wob wob throbbing bass trope of dubstep, but it has a lot of the tropes. Yeah, yeah. Did you did you do your best part? Sorry, I'm uh, getting lost here. Yeah, uh, yeah. Being the declare independence kind of vibe generally. Um, right. I've done, so I've done my my worst song. I haven't done. Um, no, me either. Which again, I actually, I'm not sure how how certain I am on this one but I've put Vertebra by Vertebra um, mm. despite the fact I really like the kind of it's almost a 20s kind of jazz dance hall intro right um, which is really cool uh, and the way it layers is quite cool but uh, again like we've said with a lot of the album I just found I got bored of it quite quickly right um, yeah um, I've again forgotten why this is my least favourite but I had down Pneumonia uh, just probably the most forgettable track on a quite forgettable record. Yeah, yeah. I think it's yeah, it's 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 difficult, isn't it? Cause it sounds like we're really digging into this one, but like I still would say it's it's a good album, as far as I'm concerned. Like it, it's still one that I would put on and enjoy. I think I would put it. I would put it as one of my worst albums by favorite artists. Fair enough. I think I think I think this is um yeah again I don't want to I don't want to kick it too much because I do enjoy parts of this record but um and yeah again high concepts little payoff um I don't want to kick uh yeah don't want to kick it too mm. much but just don't one, like this record at all. One thing that I would say that is interesting that you mentioned about it being kind of her Madonna trying to be down with the kids moment and working mm-hmm. in Timberland it is I do remember thinking significantly that it's the fir- it was the first one in a while that doesn't sound particularly ahead of its time or mm. uh, innovative in the same way that, that 
her output before this was. Yeah, um, all, all, si- all six of the records beforehand, yeah. yeah. Right, okay. So next we go on to Biophilia, uh, which you ranked eighth and I ranked seventh. Yeah, and I'm... So rig- first listen, so this was one of the... Another one of the albums that I listened to for the first time doing this. Mm. Um, so the ones I, that I hadn't listened to before were Medulla, um, Biophilia. Vol- Volta and Biophilia. Mm-hmm. Um, and Biophilia, our first listen, I thought it was going to go to the bottom of my list. Right. Um, and then after my third listen today... I thought it was going to go much, much nearer the top. It still ended up fairly near the bottom, but um, mm-hmm. I think mostly just because it's got, it's not got as many standout highlights for me. Is the reason I've got yeah. it there. So I I expected you um, with your sort of character and interest to love this album a lot more because it's so influenced by. Björk's adoration of the planet yeah. and nature. And, and this is the thing, what I was saying about my love of a, of a concept and things, I think if we were purely going on viewing her as an overall artist rather than a musician... Mm-hmm. This would be her best it, record. It's phenomenal. The, the, the yeah. scale of what she did with this yeah. um, is, is unparalleled, I think. I can't think of another yeah. example of it no. that, that's quite so, as massive. So just to uh, just to explain, if you don't know, if you don't remember, um, this track, uh, th- this this record was um, every track was released individually via app, yeah. um, allowing people to remix the song. Um, there was so yeah, so so much effort put into it. Um, she was um, there was that brilliant documentary with David Attenborough, which was it was a yeah. doc- documentary of making of the album, but where she she got him on board to like advise with certain things. Our um, boy David Attenborough, yeah, yeah. everyone's boy. Yeah. Um, but um, uh, well, she invented her own instrument, the gamalest. A few via a, app, a, 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 quite a few instruments apparently that she invented for it. Um, and I was reading into. There's all sorts of things. So there's, um, I don't know if it was an instrument that she invented or not, but a technique that she used for, oh, now what song was it? Um, for one of them, let me let me try and remember. I think, oh, it's one of the ones beginning with S, might be Solstice. Right. I think, I think it is Solstice. Um, she managed to convert the vibrations of the earth moving into a frequency and used that as the instrumentation for the song like so that's it's incredible it's fucking incredible yeah um, amazing yeah mind-blowing yeah uh and there were other things like I, I i do think again with the whole concept idea the the, the job she's done of making each song sound like what it's supposed to sound like uh, mm. is amazing like thunderbolt yeah sounds exactly like a yeah. thunderstorm like all, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all of them uh, she's done an amazing job with that um also nearly forgot there but yeah these apps that she released songs through they were they were also educational like mm. they had information um for, for younger people teaching about sort of uh, conservation and um and ecology and biology um and the this this album was turned into an exhibit at the at the, at the Museum of Modern Art in New York, yep. 
Um, first of first of two, she said. There, we'll go into that later. Yeah, and there were global. But, um, I think there were global like workshops and educational workshops yeah. and things around it. Yeah, sort of, yeah, so much. Just incredible effort, but yeah, ultimately it boils down to my worst part of this record being, and this is another Ollie Connor's obscure reference: maximum effort, little end product, the Aaron Lennon of albums. <laughs> Aaron, yeah, I actually got that. Isn't that quite impressive? <laughs> Aaron, Lennon, Aaron Lennon was a Tottenham Hotspur winger who uh, who had sprint down a sprint down a right wing and then couldn't cross it. Um, but um, <laughs> yeah, I do think like it's as a whole project and a whole thing, it's incredible. If you just take the music part of it, just take the album on its own, yeah, it, it's it's quite average. Yeah. It's fairly um, forgettable, uh, and I think my low my low light uh, is basically that it's one third album, one third technology experiment, and one third musical GCSE science textbook glossary. <laughs> the lyrics aren't great in a lot of it. She's yeah. basically going, "Look how many science words I know." <laughs> it's just like that that doesn't sound like a song anymore Bjork. it just sounds like you're reading to me <laughs> <laughs> um before we go into some highlights of this record should, um let's do worst song there after after our worst yeah, part let's get the negatives what, out of the way yeah because i what, don't want to what have you again, bash it what have much. you got for worst song uh hollow say snap um it's boring um, yeah, I think what's interesting is it's the only one. So apparently she made a conscious effort to not use 4-4 timing on the right. album. Um, and that is the one song that has a completely free timing. Like there's no time signature. It just is free moving. Was was that in an effort to headline Arc Tangent Festival? <laughs> <Quite> probably. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, which didn't exist at the time. <laughs> well, we know how ahead of her time she always is. So you know, she obviously knew. She obviously knew it was going to be happening at some point. This this album is her pitch to headline in twenty thirty. Um, right. Cool. Can't wait. But yeah, what I also noticed was the deluxe edition of the album. The first track on uh, as the bonus tracks is the original seven minute edit of Hollow. Right. Oh God. No one needs that. <laughs> no. Okay, cool. Um, well, yeah, let's um, let's go into some positives about this record. Yes. Your um, your best parts or part? Yeah. Uh, uh, in the end, my, in, in terms of an actual physical part of one of the songs that I really enjoy is a sacrifice. Um, mm. There's that fizzing beat that comes in, yep. kind of in the middle, and then again at the end. Um, mm-hmm. And I think because it's quite an ambient, uh, chilled album on the whole. Um, mm-hmm. when that comes in that's a real kind of burst of excitement and it just sounds yeah. gorgeous <laughs> um, my be- best parts um, silver medal is the uh, the death grips drums on mutual core yes yeah yeah. which was yeah, yeah. I, ne- I nearly ch- I didn't in the end but I, that's my silver medal for best song same uh, which, same yeah, I really like that um, and then gold medal for best part is the mental drum and bass breakdown at the end of Crystalline yeah yeah yeah, yeah. that's cool brilliant yeah yeah, yeah. Um, what have you gone for uh, for best song if Mutual Core is both our, our, our mutual second favourite um, I've uh, in the end gone for Moon okay um, I just cool. really like the patterns of it and I like that it's uh, so the whole the way she kept with the concept for that one is the idea of the cycles of the moon so there are four mm-hmm. 
like melodic cycles to the song that repeat yeah. over the duration of the song but over slightly different times um, I just mm-hmm. think it's really really cleverly put together yeah. and I love the little vocal pattern that appears over and over again in it I can't remember exactly how it goes now it's a little like uh, like a little <laughs> it's just a little kind of vocal hook that comes in every now and then um, yeah yeah it's one of those I think I feel like it's one of those albums if the more I listen to it the more I'm going to pick out of it I mm. think it's one that needs work mm. um, which definitely that's one of those songs that I did that with um, for uh, so my best song is again another really interesting one conceptually it's uh, Virus which is a song written from the point of view of a tumour yeah that's my bronze that's my bronze mm. it's a good mm. song and one of the better ones lyrically I think as well yeah so um, what I've realised uh, over chatting about these last three records um, and chatting about um uh, coming off the back of um, Homogenic before them, uh, sorry, uh, with the exception of Vespertine, which we both really, really liked, is that maybe Björk needs to be sad to write good music, uh, or at least angry, because Homogenic was hugely influenced by a breakup, as was Valnikira. Yeah, I have, I don't know if I completely agree with that. Um which will ex- I'll explain properly when we come on to Utopia. But I feel like right. that album is the exception yeah. to that rule. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. But, um, yeah, maybe the problem with Medulla Volta and Biophilia is that she was happy and d- therefore didn't have enough to write about. Yeah, had to go into big concepts instead of just being able to write from what was there. From the heart. So much, yeah. So, Vonicura... Your number two, yeah, and my number four. It's a stunning, stunning, stunning record. Absolutely phenomenal. This, this is one that has just climbed up my list with each listen. Um, yeah, I listened to it when it came out. So by because mm-hmm. this was twenty fifteen, by yes. the time this came out, I was back round to kind of being interested in Björk. I think I went through quite a phase where I just watched she wasn't on my radar for a while. Yeah. Um, but by the time this one came out, she was, and I listened to it when it came out. Um, really, I remember really enjoying it and just never really went back to it. Um, mm. uh, again, because it, it's... Firstly, I mean, as you've alluded to, it's dark and it's yeah. crushingly sad in places. Yeah. Um, oh, some of those lyrics, yeah. Yeah, so so it's not one that you kind of think, oh, I'm going to go and listen to that. Like, it, it's just not one of those albums. Um, and then first listen through for this first time listening to it in five years since it came out was kind of I felt a bit underwhelmed mm. compared to the rest of what, I'd, what of the stuff I've been listening to but then each listen I've given it since the two listens since it's just I've just fallen absolutely in love with this album mm. yeah it's um, yeah an amazing record, yes. Uh, let's let's go through some of those, yeah, lyrical moments. Like, um, well, actually, this wasn't into, was it, um, wasn't sad more than just a really good moment when on uh, Lion Song, mm. she says, "Maybe he'll come out of this loving me somehow." I'm not too bothered. I think this right perspective. So, yeah, and I think this is something. This is the, the the real strength of this album for me, is that it's. It's a, like a breakup album and a heartbreak album, but unlike any other I've ever heard in that 
it's a journey. It kind of takes you through that, and by the end of it, comes on to kind of moving on. Yeah, um, there's like the songs themselves sound more optimistic in the very last kind of section of the album. Um, that kind of optimism comes in a little bit musically, I think, and that hope. Mm. Um, but mm. also with songs like that that you've just mentioned and that lyric particularly, um, I can't remember another because I suppose most kind of breakup and heartbreak albums that that uh, because of the kind of music I listen to usually. Um, that I've been exposed to have all been from a quite a male perspective. Yeah, and actually, immature little boy saying yeah. she's a fucking bitch, I hate her. Yeah, and being like angry with the person that you've brought, or, or like, whereas this feels a lot more inward looking and and some of the lyrics I felt really, really I could connect to from when I've mm-hmm. been in a similar kind of place or whatever mm-hmm. it might be. Um, yeah, I think she captures that those kind of paranoias or denials or frustrations desperation like those kind of feelings so so mm-hmm. so wonderfully mm. uh yeah so that is basically my worst part is that it's her second breakup album poor b yeah um, <laughs> also the maybe it didn't have that effect on you first of all um because it's quite a long record yeah you have to be in a space for it because um, you have to let it in, uh, unfurl before you ha- and take some time for it. And I wouldn't, um, have, I wouldn't have just sat down and listened and concentrated on it in that first listen. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's what I've been doing like for this. So that that yeah, I think definitely is a good point. Yeah, um, your best part of um, or parts of Vonikira. So this is what I was actually talking about when I said that a better collaboration with Anani comes. Mm. Yeah, because that's my highlight right, of this album. Yes. Is I think actually they really get it right on this one. Like it's yeah, their, their vocals work together. It's more of a duet, um, and their voices together is a beautiful thing in this song. Yeah, um, um, which uh, is, yeah, yeah, atom dance. Yeah, um, and I think I, I think that was was that a single? I don't, there's definitely perform. There's a great um, video of them performing it together, uh, right. live, live, which is really great. Um, mm. Yeah. Yeah, I love that song. <clears throat> uh, for, yeah, best part, I've gone for the opening two. Uh, Stone Milker into Lion Song is yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Can we just have um, a moment for how great a song title Stone Milker is as well, by the way? Yeah, yeah. I love that title. <laughs> um, and um, those Bollywood strings I was uh, mm. talking about with Venus as a boy, they're back on Lion Song. And Amazing. Um, they, I, I read today that she actually got those. There's two two songs I think that have got uh, Bollywood inspired strings that she got recorded by an Indian, by a Bollywood um, orchestra. That's amazing. Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. cool. Um, another influence that may, I don't know if you're you're going to be familiar with this, but um, okay, another niche reference. Um, so I hear on this record. Um, an influence by a Polish composer called Krzysztof Penderecki. Have you heard of him? I don't know the name. No. Okay. So, um, so he's got a very famous song called uh, Threnody to the Victims of Hiroshima. Okay. And um, so there's an episode in Twin Peaks The Return, episode seven, which when you see Twin Peaks, you'll remember it because okay. it's got it's got this song, Threnody to the Victims of Hiroshima. And it's also in the... Um, that song's also in the black metal, uh, 
Black Metal, Black Mirror episode, Metalhead. Oh, uh, okay. With the, with the dog chasing Maxine Peake. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's this, it, it's a classical technique called sonorism, which is like atonal strings screeching. Yeah. And um, there's a lot of that on this record, which yeah. I quite enjoyed. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, uh, best song. Wow. Yeah, that was a tough. Uh, I've got two. I've got two strong ones for this. Um, I think we might have the, uh, the 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 same best song though. Let's okay. let, um, silver medal. I've got Stone Milker. What have you got? Uh, for silver, I don't. I don't really know. I mean, Atom Dance, probably. Um, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, but for best song, I've gone for Black Lake. Uh, it's Matt, yeah. It's it's yeah. just uh, it's a masterpiece. Yeah, and um, contains the most heartbreaking lyric it's, on the record. It is. And what, do, what does about, it say about us, dude? Like, <laughs> what does it say about? What does it say about me? This is my second favorite. My two favorite Björk albums are the two that uh, come about from her misery the most, <laughs> and that my favorite song on this album is clearly the darkest, most miserable song on there. But it's just it's just something beautiful about it. Yeah, maybe I didn't love you enough. It's, it's uh, <sighs> yeah, and again, instrumentally, like I, I feel like it's a song that is very easy to overlook how clever the structuring of it is, and what mm. the instrumental is doing. Like, there's a part near Can, the middle where there's like that elongated held note that just goes on it's for, all, for what feels like way too long, um, but just it's almost a symphony that plays yeah. out over ten minutes. Yeah. And there's uh, quiet parts where you where you think you've lost it a bit, but then it comes back and it's soaring and yeah. majestic and all the best, all the very best parts that we love about Björk. Yeah, Black Lake. And um, the only thing I would say is my my like my my weakest moment or my is purely um, the fact that Family comes straight after it. So you've got two almost yeah. ten minute slow burners yeah. in a row, but. I, I struggle to kind of criticise it for that because I think the journey of the album and the pacing of the album as a whole is, is so great that yeah. I wouldn't have put it somewhere else. It's mm. just that's where I could see it could lose people. Yeah, I've, I've got Family as my worst song. Yeah. I've got, I've got um, History of Touches as my worst song. Um, okay. Uh, there are things that there are that, that you know, it's, it's again it's one of those cases where there isn't a song I don't like on this album it's not that I don't like it at mm, all mm, um, yeah it's brilliant um, yeah like if you're one of those people that kind of drop Yerk after the 90s and the early 2000s certainly if you could take anything from this podcast go back to Volnik Kira yeah because it's amazing which brings us on to our last record uh, Utopia which I had uh, eighth and you had what was it fifth or sixth uh, let me double check I think I ended up going fifth in the end with it oh no sixth sixth behind mm. behind mm. Uh, under debut yeah only yeah. just though to be honest yeah um, I really like this one again this is one that I did listen to when it came out and the first thing I remember striking me was the incredibly bizarre artwork hmm. um, which is uh affectionately known in this house as vagina face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
which I initially said as a bit of a joke, but knowing more about Björk after doing this, I think it's probably deliberate. Um, and also knowing... A and bit a, and of course, with, um, with the flute there, you've got the American Pie connotations. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the flute, I didn't even notice the flute on the artwork until this week. Right. Uh, which, um, but I don't, have you, obviously a big kind of talking point and a significant, I think a significant part of why this album is as good as it is, is Arca's presence. Yes. Um, I don't yes. know how much you know about her, about Arca. Um, um, so yeah, she's a um, um, Venezuelan yeah. um, producer. Um, she before uh, working with Björk, she worked with Kanye West and FKA Twigs. So, and have you? She, she's got like I think three solo albums. Have you ever listened to any of her solo stuff? I haven't. No. It's it's really good. It's 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 not easy. <laughs> um, and it's and the the person who does their artwork is who did the artwork for Utopia. Um, right. And I think possibly Vonnegut as well. Um right. it's all very like that. But I do, I think the production on this is is what really lifts it. Okay. I think it sounds again it sounds so modern and sounds so futuristic. I like that, um, uh, yeah, Arca brings in a lot of the sounds of Venezuela yeah. into it. Yeah. Um, that's all, my highlight of, of, of her production. Um, all the bird sounds are all Venezuelan birds. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I guess that brings me, as a, conversely to that, my worst part of, part of this record. It's, it's just too fucking long. Um, I've put... So fucking long. Where's the creative control like latter-day Tarantino? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because what is it? It clocks in at like 71 minutes or something. Too fucking long. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a... And there is, like, there is stuff that could be cut to make yeah. it short. Like, My Worst Songs Features Creatures, which weirdly was a single mm-hmm. and has been remixed yeah. by um, Fever A and uh, The Knife. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, and the remixes are great, actually. Mm. But the song itself, I think, like it doesn't really add much. Um, well, my um, my worst song was the lead off single. Well, I've got two two worst songs. Um, the lead off single was the gate. It's just repetitive it and is, quite dull. Yeah, I, and, I, I, um, I do really like that song, but I can yeah I can see why you're not a fan. Um, I uh, I also had claim staker um, because. Okay. Well, like elsewhere on this record, she's got better songs about her um, breakup with uh, Matthew Barney um, on this record, but uh, which we'll go into later. But um, yeah, this is a far, as you alluded to earlier, this is a far more hopeful record. Mm. She calls it her Tinder album. Okay. <laughs> yeah, about um, the excitement of meeting strangers. I think I think what I like about it is yes, it's kind of it's more optimistic and hopeful. But it's also it does that in a way that it's also kind of um, um, assertive. Would okay, be the word I'd say like sure yeah. she's sure of herself and she's like it's not just a hey let's have fun. It's like a, no, I'm in a good place. I know what I am and this is what I want mm. to do. Like um, I think and my, my highlight is is the way that the album opens with um, arisen my senses, um, arising my senses with with 
the way that it kind of builds in from the sort of quite subtle intro and it becomes just like mm -hmm. a soundtrack to the most glorious sunrise of your life <clears> or something it's like yeah sets the tone for it brilliantly and then into um ooh, buh, 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 buh. uh what's the second song called it's brilliant uh blessing me yeah i love that song as well yeah 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 that's um well i've got a co-best part which is yeah the, the, that opening too and another um sort of duo of songs later on in the record which is uh loss into sumi yeah so yeah so they were the two that i was deliberating for my favorite i went with loss in the end um, same but, snap. but it was going to be either of those two yeah I yeah. think they are both, yeah, absolutely fantastic songs. I was surprised that Sumi wasn't a single, actually. I thought it had real single potential, that one. Right, okay. Um, but, I'd, uh, I mean, as much as a Bjork song can have single potential. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, um, that's another thing I wanted to go into about this record. Um, so, the only time I've seen Bjork live was on the Utopia tour. Um, it was oh, headlining yeah. Pr Primavera Festival in mm. 2018. And, okay, so it's a very interesting set. Um, she played eight or nine songs from Utopia. Wowzers. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it was, the stage setup was really intricate and interesting. It was kind of like a, a natural interpretive dance with yeah. a load of backup dancers and, and, and like a ballet. It's a really good performance. But, um, so my good friend uh, Samuel Thomas um sam yeah. <laughs> so, <clears throat> saw her on the uh the volta tour at okay. the hammersmith apollo where she played more of a greatest hit set mm. and um he said it was absolutely fucking amazing one of the best things he's ever seen and i'm like okay this was this is cool but why didn't i get that yeah um so so i mean she did play some old uh great old songs she played human behavior isabel pagan poetry um yeah some yeah. some some of the old bangers but um yeah, eight or nine songs from Utopia, it's too much. See, I would have um, been, I would have been well into that, I think, at the time. But um, because, uh, and especially because I didn't get that much out of this record. Yeah, I yeah, I yeah, fair enough. Um, something that I absolutely love, just because it's peak Bjork ridiculousness about this mm. one. So um, she released. Uh, a, a box set for this album. I don't know if you saw about this, like a special no. edition box set. So it's five hundred quid, right? Right, uh, and it's uh, like a, a wooden box or something. I can't quite remember exactly the like packaging it comes in, but uh, you get a hand carved kind of wooden cased um, USB stick with the album and all the videos and everything on it, right? And twelve uh, custom designed and handcrafted wooden flutes. <laughs> Each flute designed to replicate a specific bird species. And a whole Back guidebook on how to play each flute so as to accurately create the bird sound it's meant to create. Björk, I love I you. mean, I mean, yeah, like, <laughs> that brings us to the, end, to the end of discography and quite well, because does anything sum up Björk yeah. better than that? Yeah. Like, th th that proves that... that uh, commercial success and sales is not necessarily <laughs> a priority yeah yeah oh uh, but i yeah i i i do get like it's you know it's what sixth do we say I've, I've got it as so it's not up there with with the very best but i do think 
for me, it's it's uh, it's keeping me excited about what she does next. I'd say. Well, that well, that's ex- that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, so, um, we're not doing these solely based on like these artists' presence in in um, in what's going on right mm. now. But it was Björk's fifty fifth birthday uh, recently. Mm. I think at the beginning of December, yeah. um, and. Um, yeah, even at 55, still really current, and you're still excited to see what she's going to bring out next. Yeah, I can't think of many other people, kind of musicians that are still active around that age, who have, let's be honest, she's never gone away. Like, there's never no. been a massive gap, really. No. Um, that I'm since, s- si- since, the, since the late 80s. Yeah, and I, like the, the, there's, I can't think of many other people that kind of age where I'm genuinely excited to see what they release next, because I think it will be innovative and exciting um, yeah and it's like I was thinking about this earlier as well I still I think she's one of the I can't even think of maybe any other artist really that I feel like this about where she could release her next album could be an utter pile of dog shit um, <laughs> and I would still be just as excited for whatever comes out after that because <laughs> you know she's never gonna like no album after the other has been remotely similar really other than debut and post yeah, I know. I so I know. Homogenic has got the kind of trip hop shadows still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stuff, but it's still very a big step up in sound. Mm. Um, to, yeah, to the point where I just think she she could literally come out with anything, and it and it would not be a surprise and be a surprise at the same time. <laughs> uh, right. Yeah. Um, any uh, more closing thoughts? And only that, I, I was thinking about this during our gap between part one and two. Mm. Um, only that I've barely touched on the notes I've made about any of these albums. <laughs> like, I feel like we could do an hour on each album easily. Yeah. It's, it's, I, and I, I, was, I, was, I was saying to Nikki uh, earlier this evening, I feel like I'm so glad we picked Björk to do for this because I feel like it's really rejuvenated my kind of respect and just overall awe of her as as an artist yeah yeah just absolutely wonderful um yeah i think i think you're right i think we said we could go on for longer but we said all we need to say really just amazing unique uh yeah not got much to say here that we haven't said already. I feel, I feel like that word. I feel like that word, kind of unique and innovator, is thrown about for musicians a lot. Um, yeah, and and like, like, much much like the word genius, but yeah, she I, is one. I can't think of anyone more deserving of it. Yeah, really. Mm. Iconic. Yeah. Right. So before we uh, before we say goodbye, we've got our segment: the niche of the better where we do a uh, top five sort of inspired by what we've been talking about um, with the artist in, in concern. And uh, this week, we've got... Uh, this episode, sorry. We've gone for the top five songs of 1993, which was the year that uh, Bjork's uh, debut album, Debut, came out. Um, so, bloody good year for music, 93, wasn't it? My word. <laughs> uh, I'd say it's kind of I'd I'd say it's twofold this you've got yes it's a bloody good year for music like this ended up being so much more difficult than I mm-hmm. uh, thought it would be um, but also some of the stuff 
that I found came out in 93 as a single because I, I did do it specifically on singles uh, I think right. I had to if I hadn't it would have been impossible um, mm-hmm. but some of the singles that came out in 93 really put Bjork's debut into perspective <laughs> when you've realised that that album came out the same year as some of these songs you're like yeah she was ahead yeah. of her time like it's <laughs> <laughs> well um, yeah to on that on that theme um, I wanted to go initially into the one hit wonder section cool. of my honourable mentions so what have you the, I, this, I think this would be interesting to sort of see how we've gone about this because I've got three lists I've got my contenders for top five and the top five yeah. I've, got, I've got my worth of mentions not necessarily because they're good some of them are but just because they're kind of ones that are significant songs I'd say mm-hmm. uh, and I've also got a category called Sutton Shopping Centre I'll explain that. <laughs> I'll explain that when I come to it. But some of your one-hit wonders might appear on either of those. I'm, I'm guessing. Yeah. So um, yeah, I've um, I can I can do a similar thing. Um, so yeah, but um, sub out Sutton Shopping Centre for one-hit wonders. Yeah. So I've got down here um, four non-blondes. What's up? That's on my contenders list. <laughs> um, Hadaway. What is love? Oh, Amazing wow. song. Okay, I didn't know yeah. that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be on the shopping centre list, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, yeah, so I, um, this is one of the places where I, I went incredibly um, absolute radio 90s for this. Um, Two Princes by the Spin Doctors. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Banger. <laughs> and also um, for, the, for, the, for the dance hits of the time... Um, Robin S, Show Me Love. Do you know that song? I don't know it from the title, but I'm sure I'd recognise it. You've got to show me love. Oh, okay, yep, straight away. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, again, shopping centre list, that one, absolutely. I'll go in in with the shopping centre first. Uh, Yeah, okay. Oh, shit, no. I I, I nearly forgot forgot one of of, of my greatest (laughs) weird one-hit wonders of all time. Yeah. Mm, 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 by the crash test dummies that is on my worth a mention list yeah <laughs> yeah absolutely what what's a great song <laughs> there was this girl <laughs> <laughs> there's something it's such a bizarre song but I, it's, mm. there's something so enjoyable about it uh, yeah yeah just just generally music from Canada <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah there I've got so my my Sutton shopping center list I've yeah. had this thing, um, since I can remember, like as as an adult anyway, there's this weird ability I have where uh, songs released around 92, 93, 94, mm-hmm. um, I can hear it and I know that it was released in one of those three years. Mm-hmm. Because I remember being dragged around Sutton shopping centres by my mum, aged between four and six and these songs always playing on the tinny speakers in the shopping centre. And they, just to, they just, take me straight back to that, like, moment. Just to explain just to explain for anyone listening who doesn't know, Sutton is, like, a, a London suburb where Chris mm. initially grew up. Yeah, like, South London, basically Surrey. It's a, it is a Surrey yeah. place as well, but, yeah, it's... Yeah, don't go there. Um, but, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, so, the ones on that list that I have... There's what there's a one hit wonder on here. As far as I know, it's a one hit wonder anyway that you didn't mention. That is a cracker. Uh, and mm. there's there's quite a lot of Janet Jackson. She's she's a significant okay. artist in this 
bracket. Uh, you've yeah. got Dreams by Gabrielle. Oh, yes. Yeah. Banger. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you've got M People. All of their big songs came out in 93. Moving right, on okay. up being the biggie, obviously. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you've got Take That with uh, Pray and Relight My Fire. Yeah, bangers. Uh, you've got... Um, uh, Physics Best, uh, Things Can Only Get Better by D-Ream. You've got The One Hit Wonder being... I I, I might be completely wrong with this being One Hit Wonder, but as far as I know it is, Would I Lie to You by Charles and Eddie. I love that song. What a a tune. (laughs) Genuinely. Yeah. Um, And uh, I feel like this is like going into just what a year this was for like massive songs um i will always love you whitney houston right is there yeah okay huge. fair enough um mm-hmm. and then my worth of mentions do you, did you find what the top selling single of 1993 was was it everything i do i do it for you no i think that was 94 possibly right okay uh but it's kind of along a similar style i'd say uh, okay. Of all the songs we're going to talk about and have already talked about uh, and everything, the one that sold the most in 1993 was I'd Do Anything For Love But I Won't Do That by Meatloaf. By Meatloaf. <laughs> my, my personal sing-star favourite of old. Right. Uh, bad song. But, um, <laughs> but there it is. Uh, also in 93 was my first song that I ever remember being my favourite song when I was a child, which is All That She Wants by Ace of Bass. Right, yeah. yeah, banger, yeah, another banger. Um, my worth of mentions um, are um, "Ordinary World" by Duran Duran. Okay, I think that's a great song. Yeah, yeah. Um, All I wanna do by Sheryl Crow. Ah, uh, I didn't have that. I didn't find that one. Yeah, okay, nice pop pop country classic. Yeah, Mister um, Jones by Counting Crows is in my contenders. I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Love, I love a bit of Counting Crows. I would have had August, Round Here in my top five, but it wasn't a single. August and Everything After is a yeah. brilliant album. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and um, I've also got, for worth a mention, um, Linger by the Cranberries. Yeah, again in my contenders. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right, okay. Uh, we've got um, 74, 75 by the Connells. Brilliant song. Yeah. I love that song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Are You Gonna Go My Way, Lenny Kravitz? I don't mm-hmm. like Lenny Kravitz, but there's no denying that song. No, I mean, uh, yeah, Audi, Audi, Jimi Hendrix, but uh, yeah, to, yeah. to be generous. On a similar line, Boom Shake the Room, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince. Of course, yes, what a banger. Yeah. Oh, Carolina by Shaggy. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing out the big guns here. Uh, yeah. Streets of Philadelphia by Bruce. Yeah. Uh, Rhythm of the Night by Corona. Topical. Uh, um, uh, indeed. Uh Sweat the a-la-la-la-long song in a circle. Right, girl, I'm gonna make you sweat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Faith No More's I'm Easy cover was 93. Right, yeah, uh, uh, okay. That, that, should, that should have been in my five. Gosh, I love that cover. And yeah. I saved Best Till Last. Okay. Where there are, as far as I know, two Christmas number ones on the, on, uh, that came out in 93, but weren't both Christmas number one in 93. Right. But this one was. Mm-hmm. Mr. Blobby. <laughs> Still got the cassette, mate. 
Okay, so um, my my just outside the top five, yeah. um, uh, Souvlaki by Slow Dive came out this year, and um, this is the only one that I didn't think was a single. But I love Souvlaki. I love Slow Dive. Souvlaki is my favourite album by them, and I've gone for Machine Gun. So my hands up. I've never listened to Slow Dive. Okay, you fucking should. I know. They're one of those bands that I absolutely, <laughs> absolutely know I should and just have never got yeah. around to. Um, I've got um, Protect Your Neck by the Wu-Tang Clan. Um, yeah. Enter the, Enter the 36 Chambers was out this year, a hip-hop classic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Um, another hip-hop classic came out this year, Snoop Dogg's Doggy Style, and I've gone for Gin and Juice. Uh, and yeah. um, I think, though not remembering or seeing in my research that easy by faith no more came out this year i think my number six if we were doing a top six um would be wild wood by paul weller oh was that 93 that was not um oh. stanley road was 93 wow okay. and um wild woods and changing man are both yeah, yeah. absolutely f- fantastic songs yeah, yeah. wild wood i absolutely love my dad yeah. will be pleased to hear that he's a massive <laughs> massive fan of that album yeah yeah what what, what are your uh, yeah. um, uh, what are your just outsides? I mean, I've got I've got quite a few, and I don't want to give away any of your top five. So I feel like at this point, maybe we should just do our top fives, um, and, and and then and then and then you do your yeah. um, just outsides uh, before my number one. Yeah, our number ones. Yeah. Okay. Um. So yeah, like last time, we'll go five five four four. Okay. Um. My number five is Animal Nitrate by Suede. Yeah, see, that's on my list of contenders. Not in my top five, right. only just not. So that's my... I've, I've got these in pretty much in order, and that is my number seven. Uh, um, yeah, great song. Um, the Perhaps the greatest song about drug-induced incest. <laughs> that long, exhaustive list. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's your number five? Uh, you've already alluded to it, Gin and Juice by Snoop Dogg. Yeah, and it's, it's just there's the. It, I felt a bit silly putting it in my top five, but then I was like, no, I genuinely enjoy that song that much. No, I mean, G Funk was a glorious time for hip hop, and that's that genre, that sub genre yeah. at its possibly its finest, other than yeah. maybe Warren G's Regulate is like, the only G Funk song better. There's, there's, I, you know, I'm never gonna let go of the fact that I have my massive issues with a lot of lyrics from that time, mm-hmm. including this song. Yeah, um, but I can't help but have a uh, just enjoy myself if this song comes on. When the chorus comes, we're my man, I'm a money, I'm oh. a money, I'm a man. <laughs> I just feel good when that song is playing, man. It's just so good. Yeah. Um, number four. Um, now I'm pretty certain this was a single. Okay. Um, it's um, "Into Dust" by Mazzy Star. Do you know that record? Don't think I do. Not okay. by name, anyway. Again, might be one I recognise if I hear it. But. Ma- Mazzy Star were like a um, American college rock kind of like at the beginning of shoegaze mm. uh, sort of bands. Their big hit was "Fade Into You," which was a massive American college radio hit. But "Into Dust" is this delicate acoustic-led number, and it's um, kind of semi-influenced by my love of the OC. Um, <laughs> there's a scene where Ryan is carrying Marissa when she's blackout drunk and this, this song is playing. Uh, but, um, <laughs> yeah, 
gorgeous song Into Dust by Mazzy Star I absolutely love it what's your number four Uh, I will say at this point my numbers four to one um, are firmly on the predictable Chris Morant scale oh same here Um, so number four is Heart Shaped Box by Nirvana my number three is All Apologies by Nirvana. Nice. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, it's not my favourite song on in utero. Um, um, I'd, prob- I'd probably go for Radio Friendly Unit Shifter. Yeah, from the Apprentice. Or Apprentice. Apprentice. going for a, an album track. Yeah. But yeah, um, in utero, probably by a country mile, the best album of uh, 1993. Um, yeah. Um, Heart Shaped Box and, and All Apologies. Absolutely fucking wonderful songs. Yeah. We don't need to cover Nirvana because they're Nirvana. Yeah, I'm sure we'll. I'm sure we'll possibly do a Nirvana episode at some point in the future. But oh, please, can we? But I mean, yeah. I've just been listening to actually. I'll do a little shout out here. The uh, the on repeat podcast chaps, which is uh, Undead Collectives podcast that they do. Um, I've been listening. I've been catching up with theirs, and I've just today been listening to their two parter all about Nirvana. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I could, I could listen to people talk and talk myself about Nirvana for days. I think it's, it's yeah. Um, your uh, what was your number three? Uh, my number three was Cherub Rock by Smashing Pumpkins. Okay, all right, cool. Uh, yeah, I, I was between Cherub Rock and Today with the two singles. Um, okay, Today's great, but Cherub Rock for me again is probably my favourite Pumpkin song. Um, wow, did not know that about yeah. you. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, yes, they may, they might be coming up again later. <laughs> um, yeah, like Siamese Dream, the only album that really comes close in 1993 to In Utero. I, okay, I disagree with my number one choice, but... Interesting. Okay, cool. Um, my number two is the song that started it all. It's Radiohead's Creep. Is, is that your number two, right? That's my number two because, okay, so, yeah, Pablo Honey is probably the worst Radiohead album um, and I'm such a big Radiohead fan, I have other favourites from this record that are better than Creep. Same. I love love Blowout, I love You, Um, anyone can play guitar, it's really fun. Um, But, uh, yeah, Creep, it's still a fucking great song. Yeah, I feel it's my number two as well. Um, Okay. And I think... Uh, like it's one of those songs isn't it that it's almost like smells like teen spirit where it's become such a cliche yeah that you almost kind of see it as a, as a contender for this list and you go ah, no. but then you listen to it and you're like no it's it's just so good yeah like it's still such like Greenwood's guitar playing on it mm-hmm. it is phenomenal the whole the whole soaring out like it's ah She's yeah. running out again. Yeah, like, yeah, it, it absolutely should be there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, I was—I'll say at this point, I've just looked it up. I was wrong. So the album for my number one song didn't come out in '93. It came out in '92. Right. The single came out okay. in '93. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um, you were going to do your um, contenders before we went into our number ones. Yeah, okay. Uh, uh, so, Puss by the Jesus Lizard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Animal Nitrate. Loser by Beck. Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. We've got What's Up, we've already said. Mr. Jones, we've already said. For Tomorrow by Blur. 
Oh uh, yeah. Honey Bucket by Melvins. Right. Holler if you hear me by Tupac. <laughs> uh, American Jesus Bad Religion. Right. Cannonball by the Breeders. Oh yes, okay. Yeah. yeah. It's a shame about Ray Lemonheads. Okay. <laughs> Fifty Foot Queenie PJ Harvey. Right. Insane in the Brain Cypress Hill. Oh, oh, mate! Right, right. What a song! Right. Jump around House of Pain. Yeah. Uh, Linger we've said. Everybody hurts. REM. Oh, uh, yeah. Sad but true. Metallica. Right. Regret by New Order. Mm-hmm. And Black Number One by Typo Negative. Hmm. What a year! What a year! It's sort of like what the, ver- a fucking- the variation there as well is the fact that the fact that gin and juice, protect your neck, jump around, and um, uh, what's the one he just said? Fucking typo, hell. typo negative. Black number. No, one. no, no. The the, the, the hip hop one um, before House of Pain. Oh, Cypress Hill, insane in the brain. Insane in the membrane. Yeah, the fact that they all came out in the same year. Yeah, just phenomenal um right uh so yes my number one is one you didn't mention off this record earlier it's probably my favorite song by the smashing pumpkins is disarm i yeah see i wouldn't have guessed that that would be your favorite pumpkin song either yeah disarm is wonderful yeah siamese dream isn't my favorite pumpkins record that's melancholy but um so I've just checked something about my number one because of finding out that the album came out. So the album came out in November 92. Right. And this song, I mm-hmm. think, came out in the US in 92. Right. But it says here on the wiki page, in 1993, the song peaked at number 25 in the United Kingdom. So it must have come out over here in 93. I'll let you have it. That uh, is it. Which is Killing in the Name. Yep. <laughs> no, enough said. Yep. And that's what I was alluding to with the two Christmas number ones in one list. <laughs> also, um, a fun Ollie Connor story. Um, you weren't there on this night. <laughs> no, I wasn't. I was so disappointed. Yeah. So, um, when in that fine era in the. Um, Early tw- late, late 2000s, early 2010s, when uh, London was invaded by uh, South Africans, Australians and Kiwis. Uh, and um, every, every place in London had a uh, Aussie fiend bar. Um, so our, our friend from school, also Ollie, went to Imperial College in, uh, in West London. And um, on a night out, we went to the walkabout in Shepherd's Bush. And they were doing a uh, live band karaoke. And um, there were some excellent performers that night, actually. There was a, um, a bloke who did um, Amy Winehouse's version of Valerie um, by Mark Ronson. Well, covering the Zootons. And um, a girl who cracked out a uh, sweet child of mine. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> so it's a really insensitive way to describe childbirth, Ollie. <laughs> Influenced by a few beers, um, I put my name forward to do Killing in a Name with Live Baron Karaoke and managed to get a room full of pissed up Aussies moshing along to me, uh, screaming, fuck you, I won't do, do what you tell me, motherfucker, and uh, <laughs> won myself a 50 quid bar tab. Whee! <laughs> 
back in a net. Is there a yeah. better way to do that? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, that was uh, that was nineteen ninety three. That was so much fun. Um, yeah. Glad we suggested that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we're on to the uh, closing section, which is the shout-out section. Um, firstly, wanted to give a shout-out to you lot. Uh, we, um, so we recorded, we, uh, just to give you some context, we recorded the Dillinger and Biffy episodes before we'd actually put out, we recorded a Dillinger episode before we'd put out the Biffy episode. Mm. So we, um, this is the third podcast the first podcast we've done, actually knowing that people are listening to it, um, which is fantastic. Uh, shout out yourselves uh, for actually giving us a try. Um, you know, yeah, it's, it's been a lot of fun for us and um, glad some of you are enjoying it too. Subscribe to us. Tell your friends. Um, please, we want, we want word to spread. We'd like some more listeners, if that's not too, uh, too desperate to say. <laughs> At this early stage, but uh, no, I think we've done a good job of Björk and I think we deserve it. So, you know, um, we've also just launched a uh, podcast playlist so far just on Spotify, but we're working on getting it on Apple Music as well, which uh, has um, a couple of songs from each album we've ranked and um, some of our top fives and shout outs. So do subscribe to that. Um, can, we, um, can, to- can we informally call it the Rank Bank? The Rank Bank. Yes, we absolutely can. <laughs> it is henceforth known as the Rank Bank. Well done, Lovely. Chris. Thank you. Um, as we mention every episode, Chris and I are in a band. Um, uh, we are called Myers, Roll and Bent. Um, I do vocals. Chris does guitar. And actually, this seems like a personal place to bring up the f- our next episode because we're having our first guest, which is Chris's brother and Myers, Roll and Bent drummer, Alex and we're doing the White Stripes, which will be, yeah, great yeah. fun. Um, di- uh, didn't expect that to come from him. Didn't expect that as a choice for us to be going over on our podcast. But um, really looking forward to digging deep, absolutely, um, in, into the into the White Stripes. Um, follow uh, our band on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at M E A O A B, um, and um, this podcast is kind of brought to you by Grimheart Promotions which is uh, Chris and I's um, gig promotion arm um, we are yeah um, it's looking very bleak at the moment as London goes into tier three as we speak but uh, gigs might happen again one day who knows um, <laughs> but um, for when they can if you're if you're in a band if you manage a band if you run a venue or if you're just interested in uh, exciting gigs coming up, maybe in 2021, um, follow us on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Grimheart Promo. Um, shout out section. Do you want to go first with this for shout outs? Uh, cool. Yeah, I've only I've only really got um, got one that that I knew I wanted to do for this one, which is someone that I've kind of recommended to you, I think, briefly um, and played you a bit of when we were in the studio, actually, but. Uh, we, I, it was me and and Alex, my brother, who's going to be on next time. Um, discovered this person together when she did a guest uh, vocal spot for Colossal Squid in London. Colossal Squid being Adam Betts of Three Trap Tigers fame, um, his kind of uh, solo side project. Uh, and it's um, now I thought it was the name she went under as herself, 
but recently on her social media stuff promoting a couple of new singles from this year uh, they've said we so I don't know if it's the name of I think it's the name of her and kind of the group together um, mm-hmm. it's AK a. Patterson um, mm-hmm. just a really interesting performer essentially um, initially blown away by, by her vocal performance with um, Colossal Squid when we saw live um, and then delving into kind of recorded stuff that's out there. I think she's got an EP and a couple of singles out there. Um, there's bits that kind of reminded me a little bit of, of dare I say it, Jeff Buckley uh, in, in some of the softer tracks, um, but then has also got this kind of uh, primal, more aggressive thing she can do with her voice as well, and, and the songs are just really interesting. And so within mm. the context of kind of interesting vocal performers, uh, as this week has been, um, I thought she'd be a good one to kind of suggest. Um, so, yeah, I got you quite excited for my shout-out. And um, in the just to let you behind the fourth wall, in the break between our um, recording sessions tonight, um, I listened to this record again to make sure I wanted a shout-out. And yes, I fucking do. <laughs> um, so... Um, just to explain, I'm not doing like a top five or top ten albums this year. Like I've because COVID and everything, I've been I've got kind of fallen out of listening to much new music, so I, it doesn't seem fair uh, to do so. Um, fair on everything that I've kind of missed. But um, I saw this band, th- this band being talked about at the time, and like they've come back around from being mentioned on lots of end of year lists. And um, I decided to finally check it out the other day. And my God, am I glad I did. Am I glad I did. Chris, have you ever heard of Imperial Triumphant? No. Okay. So, Imperial Triumphant are um, completely different to everything we've mentioned today. Um, I sort of dipped my toe in and out of the world of extreme metal. Um, So, yeah, like... I've got into it uh, more the past few years, as I think you have, Chris. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely. I'd say being in the band has got me more into it because I've grown a grown an appreciation for that kind of thing. So, Imperial Triumphant are a mix of um, black and death metal with elements of jazz. So, um, so talking of our last week's uh, last <laughs> episode band, um, the Dillinger Escape Plan. I, I was thinking earlier that this band, Imperial Triumphant... So I once saw Imper- um, Dillinger Escape Plan at the Kentish Town Forum um, on a bill with an Italian black metal-influenced acid jazz band called Ethel Duath. Does that ring a bell at all? Nope. Okay. <laughs> uh, and uh, Poison the Well were made support. But mm-hmm. basically, this album is the Dillinger Escape Plan, Ethel Duath, but s- sub out... Poison the Well for early Opeth all having a fight. Ooh. And um, it's, it's a really interesting record. It's, it's not just brutal. Like, it's, it seems brutal from what I'm telling you so far, but it's... Um, so a lot of the reviews I've read have uh, likened it to the experimental grindcore band Portal. Have you ever heard of them? yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, kind of got famous from wearing silly costumes, but they're not very good. Um, and nothing like the uh, the excellent computer game that they're named after. Um, <laughs> the cake is a lie. Um, but um, <laughs> um, <clears throat> I I hear more um, 
Um, I hear more sort of elements of um, Rotten Christ and Gorguts, um, who are this amazing experimental Canadian uh, extreme metal band. And um, also elements of that um, excellent Blood Incantation record, which ended up my number one of 2019, uh, The Hidden History of the Human Race. Um, it's also got a lot of influences of the the New Yorkers, and it's um, very influenced by the city of New York oh, okay. as a record. It's called Alphaville, and yeah, if um, if any of this is striking a chord with you, it's well worth checking out. I think if I was doing a top five or top ten this year, um, Alphaville by Imperial Triumphant would gate crash it. It's it's a really fantastic record. Cool, well worth well. Um, it's a long record. It's a, it's an investment, but it's it's well worth your time. Mm. Yeah. But nice. Which, which uh, yeah, brings us to the end of the podcast. Um, if you have any thoughts um, about um, this episode, about Bjork, about our rankings, about our top five, about our shout outs, or about anything uh, so far, Biffy Clyro, the Dillinger Escape Plan, who we should do in future. Mm. Um, then hit us up, and also about the white stripes, our um, upcoming episode. Um, I'd yeah, say, so I'd, I'd say equally, if you are someone who is maybe in, involved in, in music yourself somehow or something, uh, and want to come on and do an episode as well, like absolutely, we're we're going to be looking for people to come and, and join us in this. Absolutely, uh, we've already we, people have already asked us. We've yep. already got a few names in mind, but uh, yeah. Absolutely, shout us out um, on our Twitter accounts. I'm on at O L L I E C O R E Ollie X Core, and Chris at C M G Rumps. <laughs> C M Grumps. Uh, yes. So yeah, that's it for us. Thank you for bearing with us all that way. Um, only two parts in the end, but um, yeah, realise it's been a long haul. But hope you've enjoyed yourself as much as we have. Uh, we've had a lovely time discussing. Mm. Bjork, and um, yeah, we'll see you again next time for The White Stripes uh, with Alex Morant. Uh, Take care, everyone. Stay safe, and we'll speak to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.